as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710-KURV. Top newsmakers. We're joined now by Hidalgo County Judge Richard Cortez. He's starting his second term as Hidalgo County Judge. And uh, thank you for uh, giving us some of your time this morning. What do you plan for uh, 2023? Let's let's start there. Well, uh, first of all, good morning. Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, the most uh, the most immediate things that we need to work as a county commissioner's court is we've got to complete this courthouse. Uh, you know, we've got delayed because of uh, COVID. Then we had a hurricane. We had some flooding. Uh, but we really need to complete it and, and move in from the old one to the new one. So that, to me, is our number one priority. Also, because of COVID, and the courts were closed, uh, many of the prisoners that were waiting to go to court uh, stayed in jail. So we've had uh, overcrowding in our jails for quite some time to a point that, you know, we were out of compliance. So we made, a, I, I think, a good deal with Willisa County, uh, but we needed to make some uh, some improvements and get it up, get it up where we can use it. So we need to start moving prisoners in there. So I've told the sheriff or, you know, we've asked the sheriff to please expedite that as much as possible uh, because you, you, you can use good money, uh, you know, paying it for rent if you're not using it for the purpose that you had. So that's that's also a big deal. And, of course, you know, drainage projects. You know, we had uh, $190 million that taxpayers gave us to, you know, help us with the drainage. There were 37 projects. Uh, we're about sixty percent through with those thirty-seven projects, so we need to we need to continue. The other area is uh, is the sanitation, what we call the sanitation bill. Uh, as you know, we have a very very large uh, urban areas in uh, in the county that are not in municipalities. So trash, garbage pickup is becoming a huge problem. And the problem that, that, that I see and, and, and we want to hopefully rectify with this bill, uh, because we're going to Austin to help us, is we're using general fund money, which means money that we get from everyone in the county, which includes 75% of the money that we receive come from properties in municipalities to pay for that. And that, that's amounting up to almost $10 million. So really what that means is that municipalities are paying 75% for us to pick up trash and, and, and brush out in the, in the rural areas. Well, they're not rural areas. They're urban areas and not incorporated cities. So we think that that is not fair. That's not right. We believe that the people that are benefiting from that service should pay for that service. Right now, the law doesn't allow us to bill them for that. So we're, we're, we're hoping that we can get, get some assistance from Austin. The other big problem that we have, uh, and that is uh, uh, this unattended animals. 
uh, man, the last number that, that I received was, was 40,000 40, uh, unattended animals uh, here in, in the county, and that was a long time ago, so I'm sure that that amount is, is more. Uh, you know, our, our nonprofit organizations are trying to do the best job that they can in dealing and managing with that. Uh, you know, they love animals, as I love animals, and, and we'll find, we want to find reasons why to save them and keep them alive, not to kill them. Uh, and that's an expensive process. So we have to figure out how to best do that because the prices of doing that have really escalated. So we're going to have to solve that problem. And we're, the only way we're going to solve that problem is for us to get together and solve it together. But the last two to me is when I, when I was sworn in yesterday, I said this is where I'm going to spend a, a lot of my time because this is where I think we can get the most benefit. Uh, we have a very high percentage of people in poverty. Uh, in fact, I gave them some numbers. Uh, and the numbers is that we had uh, 500,000 people, and I'm giving you round numbers, 500,000 people working in our county, 380,000 uh, uh, of those people are earning above poverty rate. That's the good news. The bad news is that, that 120,000 of those people working are not making above above minimum wage, and six percent are college graduates. Nineteen uh, percent have some college. So obviously, what that information tells us is that we need better paying jobs. And the only way that we're going to get better paying jobs is we have to attract um, investment in Idaho County uh, for, for in order for that to happen. So attracting investment in Idaho County is going to be a, a big part of, of what I want to do this next four years. Then the last one to discuss with you today is in order for us to bring that, that investment over here, they're going to come because they, they want to match a labor force to their needs. So in order for us to do that, we have to develop human capital. I also told the, the audience yesterday that we graduate uh, more high school graduates every year than with 15 other states graduate. That's a huge benefit that we're not taking advantage of it. If we take that many people every year and we give them the proper education and the proper training skill set, then we, golly, we ought to be attracted to somebody. But, you know, we have to fix responsibility to someone or else it's not going to happen. And what I said, well, heck, I'm going to fix responsibility on myself. Joining us on 710 KURV, Hidalgo County Judge Richard Cortez. Yeah, Judge, uh, good morning. Happy New Year, Tim Sullivan here. That's a good long list of uh, goals for your second term, maybe even longer from what you put forth in your first term, uh, if I recall. Um, Just uh, hitting a couple of the points that you just made, when do you think we might see a report of recommendations from that prosperity task force? Uh, oh, very, very soon. They, they are meeting uh, frequently, obviously, because of the holidays. They stop meeting. The exciting thing about the Prosperity Task Force is that every volunteer that's participating wants to be there. And they want to be there for the right reason. They see the need. Uh, they have experience, knowledge, and skills in that area because we broke it down into, into various parts. You know, when we first met, uh, we were going around in circles. 
because dealing with poverty is a very complex issue. In other words, it hasn't been solved <laughs> since day one, and, it's not, and we're not going to solve it. And our goal is not to solve it. Our goal our is to make it better, to reduce the level of poverty. So, you know, because of that, I said, look, you know, I'm just a simple guy, but you eat an elephant a bite at a time. Let's divide this thing. Let's not put the burden on just one group for all of the different aspects that it's going to take to deal with poverty. So we broke it down. And, and I think the last time I was here, you know, I kind of went, went through the, that outline and said, look, mm-hmm. uh, we have people in poverty. How do we, how do we serve it? Now we know who's in poverty, so we have information. And out of the population of people in poverty, who can we get out of poverty? Who, who do we think has a high probability of being able to get a skill set or get educated so we, so we can get them out of there? Well, how, how do we decide that? How do we make that determination? So we need a counselor. We just say, hey, go talk to this, this vocational counselor. Uh, once the counselor talks to them, hey, yeah, we think that, that this person, you know, can be a plumber, can be an electrician, can be a, a, a x-ray technician or whatever, okay, then then we'd like to put a mentor. We, we'd like to assign a mentor to that person. Remember, a lot of those people, you know, come from from, from, from hard times and, and, and families that, you know, that don't have a lot of experience in some things. Some of them are even... Uh, financially illiterate uh, uh, and so a mentor will help them make better decisions as to the path they're going to take then we figure out well what path are we going to take then we send them to somebody financial we have to figure out how we're going to pay for all, for all of that stuff uh, and then of course a mentor will help them if you start uh, going to school or you start vocational you know we all have ups and downs i mean when you're riding a bicycle you you fall down sometimes, but somebody needs to pick you up. So we thought about all those things, so we broke it down, and, and everyone has a part. And when you put all the parts together, we hope that we're going to have you know, good success. And you also mentioned uh, the opening of the new county courthouse that I believe will likely uh, be this year. Is that correct? And, and how will that improve well, county operations boy, during you, your second term? It better be this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're hoping... Certainly no later than March or April. Okay. Uh, you know, we're down to little things, but a lot of little things. Uh, and, and you know, because of the pandemic, because of other things, we've made some modifications to the legal agreement. So they're within, they're within the rules right now. And I, I don't want to talk too much more about that because hopefully we'll never get to litigation. But if we get to litigation, I, I, I don't want to discuss it further about, about that. Well, you have some daunting challenges ahead of you, and I mean, hey, it, credit to you. If if they were easy, they would have been completed already. <laughs> so lots of luck to you in the future, and we'll be checking up real soon on a few of these. Thanks a lot for your time as usual. Hidalgo County Judge Richard Cortez joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Taking out my kids from school. From work to kids. To running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news. And to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. 
You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. We have some neat things coming to the Rio Grande Valley, and part of that comes with South Texas Health System Heart, as they will be launching the Valley's first ECMO program. To explain what that is and to talk about South Texas Health System, Chief Nursing Officer Deborah Meeks joins us on News Talk 710-KURV. Uh, first off, uh, let's, let's talk about South Texas Health System in general and what sets it apart from all the rest. Well, thank you. Um, South Texas Health System is a group of hospitals uh, owned by Universal Health Systems, uh, who is the home office out of King of Prussia in Pennsylvania. But our system here in South Texas, again, consists of Edinburgh Regional, McAllen Medical, a heart hospital, and then we have um, a, a couple of other specialty hospitals. One is a behavioral health and then the other is Cornerstone, as well as uh, six freestanding ERs uh, throughout Hidalgo County. So very large footprint in the area, making sure that we have uh, the exposure and provide the access to the community to get health care timely, efficiently, and of high quality. And what happens at South Texas Health System Heart? We are a heart hospital, believe it or not. Um, we provide open heart surgery. We have a very busy cath lab, a tremendous team of cardiologists and uh, heart surgeons, hospitalists, nurses, um, and, and uh, support staff. But our main focus is uh, cardiovascular care. Joining us on 710-KURV is Deborah Meeks, Chief Nursing Officer at South Texas Health System Heart. Tim Sullivan, your question. Yeah, Deborah, talk about the ECMO program itself in, in, in layman's terms as much as possible. What, what does ECMO mean? How does, how does this work? And who is it for? What type of patient best qualifies to receive this type of treatment? Okay, very excited to do that. So the ECMO is extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, but there's also a, a couple of different components to that. Um, but one is for life support and uh, one is for lung support. So the the one system that we're using can uh, treat a different group of patients depending on how it is applied and managed um, by the physician. But in simple terms, um, it, it takes the place of what the heart and lungs do in, inside of the body and to the blood. And so it takes the blood outside of the body, passes it through a membrane, and oxygenates it and removes the carbon dioxide and then puts it back in your body. So wow. if it's a heart failure patient, um, you know, maybe the heart isn't pumping the blood hard enough or well enough to move it through the lungs and through the rest of the body, um, then it, it can assist in that. So um, ventricular uh, function is what we're looking at that. Or if for some reason the lungs 
aren't oxygenating the blood efficiently, um, whether there's pulmonary edema, PE, or congestive heart failure, then it can take that in the place of that and make sure that the blood gets enough oxygen to the rest of your organs uh, to support you. Okay. Is there an average time that a patient would be on an on an ECMO machine or go through this treatment? It, it really depends on uh, what you're using ECMO for. Um, one of the uses is a bridge to a heart transplant or heart-lung transplant, and so that can be unpredictable um, as, you know, there's a waiting list for that. But for the, the pulmonary need, um, again, if it if it's an acute episode or an illness or an attack, then it, it could be short-term, anywhere from three to seven days. Um, if it's after an a, acute myocardial infarction or heart attack, again, maybe uh, three to five days uh, to, to allow that heart to recover uh, and repair. And so it, it does vary from short-term to long-term, just depending on why you're using it. Yeah. How often is this program or is this treatment used for a person who might have severe COVID? So COVID, um, when when we started looking at ECMO for COVID, uh, again, it depends on the condition. People responded to COVID so differently. There was such a large variation um, in the response um, for the COVID hospitals. Um, that I dealt with during the, the surges um, mm-hmm. of, of 2020-2021, mm-hmm. um, they would have their patients on on ECMO for long-term um, recovery over a month. How long has this program been in the making here? Uh, how long has South Texas Health System been working to get an ECMO machine in the valley? <laughs> I think it's been in our hearts forever, yeah. but uh, we have been actively pursuing this. Um, this past year, uh, for for at least the the past eight months, um, looking to uh, activate our team, uh, get them trained, uh, get the equipment, and everything that we needed in place in in order to offer this. They've been really aggressive over the past eight months. South Texas Health System Heart will be launching the Valley's first extracorporeal. Membrane Oxygenation Program, or ECMO, and that's what we're talking about now on News Talk 710 KURB with Deborah Meeks, the Chief Nursing Officer at South Texas Health System Heart. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the well, actually, I'm curious about the ECMO machine. I did, I did have one question. How many people can um, be put on one ECMO machine? What does it look like? And I don't know if it's like a room and there's a bunch of beds connected to one thing, or if it's several little <laughs> ECMO machines, or if there's like an ECMO network or what. No, absolutely. It it is a single machine per patient, and um, technology has just really come a long ways uh, from when I was first introduced to ECMO decades ago. Um, so it, it does have a very small footprint, a little bit larger than our IV pumps, if you're familiar with what those look like, um, and then, of course, the, the catheters and tubing. Uh, so it is an intensive care unit. Um, patient. It is a, a one-to-one. You have one nurse devoted to that patient 24-7, um, and then you have a team supporting that nurse. You'll have an uh, ECMO uh, nurse specialist. You'll have respiratory uh, perfusion. Uh, of course, your 
complement of physicians helping to to manage the patient. So the machine itself has gotten really a lot smaller, a lot better technology. Um, the, The care of the patient remains complex. And this being the Valley's first, it it begs the question to help put into perspective, what were some of the treatments that were available leading up to this, and what makes ECMO such a a game changer? So for ECMO-type treatments, there's there's nothing um, else. And so if if we did have someone come in with a condition where the physicians determined that ECMO um, was what would benefit and help help them, uh, we would send them to larger facilities outside of the valley, um, nearest ones being in Houston and San Antonio. Um, but, uh, so, so really there was nothing. Wow. So the, the ease and the convenience, that's the last thing that you want to hear when you're, when you're, when you have a, a severe condition, okay, we're going to send you out, you know, that's, and that's time wasted. That proximity is very, very important. Uh, Deborah Meeks is the chief nursing officer at South Texas Health System Heart, our guest on 710 KURV. And uh, the, the, f- the floor is yours to tell anybody else anything else that we might have missed about uh, South Texas Health System Heart or the ECMO machine. Well, thank you. I just want to say the team here is tremendous. Um, you know, they have had such enthusiasm uh, surrounding the adoption of, and implementation of this program. I just can't say enough. Um, about the physicians, surgeons, cardiologists, the nurses, respiratory, uh, pharmacies on board, uh, radiology. So it it truly has been a team effort, and I feel like um, we have the best team in the Valley. When do we get to see the ECMO machines in action? <laughs> um, we have not had our first patient yet, but um, are, are looking forward to being able to offer um, this to the first patient that, that uh, um, approaches that needs it. Or I guess I should say, so they're available now is, I guess is a better question from me. We we do have the program. Yes, sir. Okay. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Deborah. Appreciate your time here today. That's Deborah Meeks, Chief Nursing Officer at South Texas Health System Heart, joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. I understand that at our medical school, bipolar disorder and alcohol dependence will be the focus of some of the work done at the UT RGV School of Medicine. So let's bring in the founding chair of the Department of Neuroscience, Director of the Institute of Neuroscience, UTRGV School of Medicine, is Dr. Isan Saloum. It's a pleasure, Doc. So let's start with bipolar disorder. If you could explain that to us and what is some of the work that will be done over at our medical school. Oh, thank you very much uh, for, for the 
the invitation. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, here at the Institute of Neuroscience, you know, we, we are conducting this uh, study on bipolar disorder who have an additional issue with alcohol use disorder. And really to start out, bipolar disorder is a, you know, it's a disease that uh, affects uh, between one to like three percent of the population and it has a range of severity and really with the severe type <clears throat> it is very uh, disabling and so uh, you know the world health organization looked at the burden of disease like how much a disease causes burden on people uh, and bipolar disorder was found even though with a less prevalence than others that to cause very high burden compared to other diseases. And uh, so bipolar is characterized by people go, going through episode of either major depression or what they call a manic episode. And really for uh, somebody to say that they have bipolar, they need to have only one manic episode. Uh, and uh, you know they could have more than that, um, but one manic episode is sufficient to get that diagnosis in. Well, I understand. And a manic yeah, exactly. There you go. So I was going to hope you could explain what a manic episode is. Yeah. Right. So a manic episode is really hard to identify unless it's very, very severe. In fact, people like usually they, you know, this illness could manifest a lot of the time with a depressive episode, and then uh, and then uh, many uh, are have hard time to recognize what is mania. And mania is characterized by a number of symptoms. You know, the most characteristic is that people will have what they call high or irritable mood. So their mood, instead of being sort of normally happy, they become extremely happy for no reason, right? I mean, if somebody is getting married, you know, there is a very good reason to be elated and very happy, right? Or somebody had, let's say, a, a degree, you know. But, you know, for no reason, people start to have this change in mood to be extremely jovial, uh, very happy, very intrusive. Uh, and this could last uh, because that's very important, the time frame, you know, it, it could last at least from four days to a week, two weeks, you know. So uh, so a symptom like this that, that lasts, you know, a few hours, you know, that doesn't count. It really should last, you know, many days. But But really the most frequent kind of mood symptoms. Uh, not only the euphoria, but the irritability. People could become very irritable as well. And what they call also mood lability, meaning mood changes. So somebody could be very jovial, they make making joke, but then, you know, they shift to being very, very sad or, or extremely irritable. Okay. And as I said, this, this should last days on end, not like, you know, a few minutes here and there. So that's, right. the, that's the confusing part. Yes, sir. We're talking now, about bipolar disorder and alcohol dependence. Some of the work that's going to be done at UTRGV, our medical school, and he's the founding chair of the Department of Neuroscience at UTRGV School of Medicine, Dr. Isam Saloum. Dr. Saloum, Tim Sullivan here. So when you say bipolar disorder, you are talking mania, euphoria, but also you're talking clinical depression. Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> and really, it's probably the depression. And when we say clinical depression, again, it's not just feeling sad. It's a, sort of a clinical syndrome that people should have, you know, depressed mood, decreased energy, decreased interest in, uh, in, in doing anything. They don't enjoy things. Uh, 
and you know they have difficulty sleeping or they sleep too much they eat less or they eat too much so it's a constellation of symptoms and you know the most severe of them that people feel like life is not worth living it and sometimes unfortunately end up with you know having suicidal thoughts or or suicide and and again the symptom they should last at least you know persistently at least 15 days so yeah. we're not talking about you know some feeling sad here and there you know well, and really the depressive episode could happen in people with bipolar you know early on and it could be even the most frequent symptoms in fact when people studied this uh, uh the, the bipolar over time they found that most of the time when people are sick they are in the depressive phase you know mm-hmm. um and and so you have this alternating kind of episode of depression and mania and they could be really devastating to somebody's functioning live families uh, and so the uh, you know one of the complications of the bipolar is uh, it's really substance use you know especially when people are either in the manic phase where like not only they are euphoric but there is this characteristic increased activity level you know people try to do a lot of things like an example you know people who tell me you know for uh, in this period, all what I am doing, cleaning my home, but, you know, day and night. So basically, they don't sleep cleaning the home, you know, Yeah. Uh, all, all night, right? That's, that's how, or they start a lot of projects, but they don't finish any of them. Or they do activities that are highly impulsive that put them at high risk, you know. Yep. And and one of this activity is the substance use and the alcohol. I see. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, so the two may go hand in hand alcohol use and bipolar disorder absolutely and and we know you know epidemiological studies have found repeatedly that uh, people with bipolar disorder have the highest risk of uh, alcohol problem and other drug problem compared to any other psychiatric problem is it because they are using alcohol or drugs to try to cope with their disorder Absolutely. Yeah. yeah And uh, well, I mean, it could be a cope, could be a symptom of mania, and 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 uh, unfortunately, when you know, if somebody drinks a lot, uh, then then it becomes a problem on its own. You know? um, and so uh, and so those those two problems they accompany each other, and they you know, as as you could imagine, I mean, each one of them is a big problem. Uh, but but when they are combined, they really affect people's life, you know, uh, very strongly. Dr. Saloum, um, if, if we could ask you to explain to us the type of work at the university you'll be doing, and if you need test subjects, if you need volunteers to help you out with uh, any work that you're doing, either with a pharmaceutical or any other study. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have focused on people who have those two problems because really many pharmaceuticals are not like interested in in having you know, complicated illnesses to study. And and right now we are doing a study trying to help people who have bipolar disorder to decrease their drinking. And basically, we are trying to do two uh, two medication that are over the counter, uh, but they have. <clears throat> some effect that can help people decrease their drinking to uh, to alcohol uh, from other studies, and so basically, you know, we 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 are trying to, you know, so people who are uh, they have bipolar disorder, they are stable on their medication for bipolar disorder, 
And if they are not on medication, we can give them medication. I think one good thing about this uh, bipolar is that it's very responsive to medication if people take the medication. Because that's really the main treatment, you know, medication and therapy, but medication are fundamental. So, so people in our study will just uh, uh, get one of these medications or, or that, that, that are over the counter, you know. And okay. then we will see them every, uh, every week for three months just to see how, you know, how their drinking sure. has changed. You know? How and, do folks and, sign up, and, Doc? Know, how do folks sign up for the study? And, you know, to sign up for the study, they can call us. Uh, you know, our phone number is 956 Two nine six seven 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 seven, or they could go online. That's utrgv.edu/trials, and uh, you know we'll be happy to talk to them and uh, and see if you know if the study is uh, fits what they have. You know. Yes, sir. All uh, right. And you know we will compensate for their time. You know, uh, for you know for kind of when they join the study. Yes, sir. Well, coming to the visit. We wish, you, we wish you success with your study. Call us back and give us an update uh, a little bit down the road, and then we'll help you out again. Thank you, sir. That's Dr. Isan okay. Saloum with UTRTV School of Medicine. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United crisp, clear audio, and access to previous programs from 710-KURV, only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. There's a lot of economic uncertainty right now, and how can you keep your career on the up and up? How can you keep growing through times like this? Joining us on 710-KURV, a combat-decorated Navy SEAL, and then uh, he's an author in commercial business. He's the author of Be Nimble, How the Navy SEAL Creative Mindset Wins on the Battlefield and in Business. Marty Strong is our guest on your on, uh, 710KURV. So uh, first off, how bad do you think things are right now? How challenging are things? And what are some good ways to overcome this? Well, to put things in perspective, I, you know, we have recessions, true economic recessions, about every 18 to 24 months historically. And since 1950, they've lasted an average of 10 months. So if this was a normal recession that was brought on by economic mechanical issues, that would be the expectation. I think this particular recession or the concerns of one are more brought on by the trillions of dollars that have been dumped into the economy. And because of that, you have kind of, kind of two different stories. One is there's a shortage of talent I'm a, I'm a CEO. We, we are having difficulty finding every kind of worker, uh, white-collar, blue-collar, you name it, you can think of. And at the same time, there's enough money out there that some people are sitting on the sidelines and watching. 
What confuses it is that some of the big corporations get the big headlines when they decide that they have overextended and they want to cut back their their um, employee population, and you hear these big layoffs. So all that's kind of all in one big stew, and it's difficult for people to figure out. What advice do you have for some of these people? Do, are you a, are you in favor of like a side hustle? You know, people having your your nine to five, and then you may be doing some sort of online thing on the side. Oh, absolutely! Heck, I have two side hustles, and I'm a full time CEO. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, there's a couple of things. One, I believe in kind of establishing a warrior mindset when it comes to being either an employee or a professional or a business owner, and that is that these are going to these these recessions and these setbacks either short-term or longer cyclical ones, are going to happen on a regular basis. So just accept that and prepare yourself like you would for battle. Prepare yourself to be stronger mentally, physically. Make sure your health is, is, is squared away. Make sure your, your financial um, health is squared away because then you're, you're kind of prepared in advance of anything that comes at you. The second thing is go ahead and look at your personal capabilities, your skills, your knowledge, and do a self-inventory and then start attacking your weak spots. So things like communicating, speaking, problem-solving, you know, selling skills, leading, planning, negotiating. These are all things that make everybody stronger, whether you're a business owner or an employee. Let's talk about that. Well, how would you do well, Let me reintroduce you for a sec. Marty Strong is our guest on 710KURV. He's a business owner, author, leader. Uh, we're talking about trying to get your career on track in troubling times. Yeah, so uh, visualize an attack, like they say in The Water Boy. Well, how would, what's your, your uh, step-by-step process for overcoming challenges? Well, first is to be prepared ahead of time. I think that, uh, you know, in security and in a lot of other aspects of life, it's better to be prepared and aware in advance than it is to just react and have a cold start plan. So that's what I meant by the warrior mindset, kind of a, always prepare, you're always in shape for the fight, you're always in shape physically, mentally, and, and uh, fiscally, so that when something comes at you, you're already kind of on the balls of your feet ready to, to deal with it. The other thing you can do, and you'd mentioned it earlier, is you can't seek a side hustle. You can create other revenue streams. You can have a, a part-time job. You can do consulting on the side. You can also create a small business. That means that you're not completely dependent on only one stream of revenue, and you put all these things together, plus retooling your skills and getting ready for the opportunity that's coming, which is the breakout. Because there's always a big opportunity when recessions and economic downturns flip the other direction. Can uh, well, I, I always envision the economy as, you know, that big glass phone booth that's got the fan at the bottom of it and just money is just flying everywhere and we're just trying to grab whatever dollar bills are flying around us. Uh, are there real opportunities to to make a a money uh, make a lot of money during during times like this? Yeah, I wish I could quote all the companies that were born in the '87 crash and the uh, the 2006 um, I guess Great Recession. I mean, every time go all the way back to 1929 and the big stock market crash of that of the 19th century. Yeah, the 19th century. The um, all those events created massive new corporations, massive new technologies, because people, because of necessity, decided to go out and place their bets, their time, their resources behind an idea, and they broke free from just going to work every day and, and, and doing a job. So, yes, it always, you know, you always find these, these difficult times 
some people turn them into opportunities and sometimes they're wildly successful and others they find that they can get through them and they become stronger and they're better prepared the next time it comes around our guest is marty strong he's a business owner he's a combat decorated navy seal he's an author of be nimble how the navy seal creative mindset wins on the battlefield and in business tell me tell me about the the book marty so uh be nimble was essentially about leadership and leadership in crisis specifically things like we're talking about here how do you deal with crisis that's either created by an external force such as the pandemic COVID pandemic and economic downturn but also the you know the, the upside crisis that's created by new opportunities Sometimes there's just as much of a crisis experience inside businesses and challenging to leadership in their, in their current state of you know, capabilities and experience when you're wildly successful. So you know, I, I always consult and tell people, look, you know, always prepare for the worst, but expect the best, because the best is going to be just as traumatic and just as um, tumultuous as your worst-case scenario. Where can we find a copy of the book? Uh, you can go to be nimble. Excuse me, Marty Strong, BeNimble.com or Amazon.com. I'm on Amazon with all my books. Oh, you got your own website too. What's at the website? Uh, so MartyStrongBeNimble.com covers my nine novels, and I have Be Nimble, which came out earlier this year, and Be Visionary, which just came out this week, which is about hey, well, strategy and and creating a vision. What's the What's the website again? MartyStrongBeNimble.com. All right, Marty Strong, uh, he's an author. He's a combat-decorated Navy SEAL. Hey, thanks a lot for spending some time here with us today. That's Marty Strong joining sure, us on News Talk it. 710 KURV. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. It's our weekly Wednesday legal conversation with Andrew Reed joining us on 710 KURB. Some of the legal stories making headlines. Uh, first up is the U.S. Appeals Court reversing dismissal of free speech claim over the Make America Great Again hat. What happened here? So a teacher had gone to a training session and the principal had an issue with the hat being worn. Basically said, you need to take it off. If you don't remove it, we're going to have to have you disciplined. Ultimately, some disciplinary actions, things happened. Complaints were filed with the school district going back and forth between teacher, principal, school district, all that. Um, ultimately, the teacher ends up here filing a lawsuit saying he has the right to free speech and that his rights were harmed and damaged because of this uh, action by the principal in the school. So case goes, judge dismisses the case. They appeal it. This appeals court says, no, this, is a, this teacher did most likely have a right to free speech. This needs to be looked at further. So they're sending it back. Um, and so... Right now, you have this issue that 
um, one thing they noted was this was a situation that really wasn't necessarily a true like disturbance. It wasn't our any type of major dispute that there was in the classroom type of scenario where there was any type of biases or anything like that perceived. It was just someone wanting to wear the hat and make an opinion. It wasn't like it was creating any harmful activities. So that's kind of where they kind of hung their hung the hat on, if you want to say it that way, of saying this is a reason this is a free speech. How did they respond to that? Uh, and right now, there has been, from the reports I've seen, neither the school district or anyone else has commented on this yet. Um, so what a little kind of interesting twist here is that the teacher had sued the school district, another individual with the school district, I believe Ron Port said they were an HR rep, and then also the principal. What the court actually said was the case against the principal could move forward, but the others, the dismissal of the other two, the school district and the HR rep, could actually stand. So that's going to be kind of an interesting scenario here to kind of see where all this kind of falls out, because basically said the principal took actions to basically restrict someone's free speech. So that's where we stand right now. We're joined by Andrew Reed taking a look at the weekly legal stories that are making headlines. He's our guest on 710KURV. Next up is the Oregon Supreme Court ruling uh, criminal convictions from non-unanimous juries can be voided. What's the story here? So for most states throughout the U.S., um, for a criminal conviction, you need a unanimous jury. And if you think about it, with our system being set up that you're innocent until proven guilty, that that helps ensure that if there's any possibility you're innocent, that um, you won't have a criminal charge. Well, there were certain states, Oregon being one of them. I believe there was one other state currently that had, or not currently, but up until a year or so ago, may have still had this at issue. And so U.S. Supreme Court actually came out with a decision saying, no, you can't have those. Oregon Supreme Court now is looking into it for their specific state. And they said all of these cases that came before that were on non-unanimous juries, those verdicts are now voided. And they're sending it back to these district attorneys and these uh, state courts to decide should these cases be retried. If they're tried again, they have to be brought with a unanimous jury verdict or there can't be the criminal conviction. Our guest on 710KURV is Andrew Reed. We're looking at some of the weekly legal stories. The next one happens to be the U.S. Appeals Court ruling that guardians can sue Google for tracking children's YouTube activity without consent. I think there's a lot of questions coming up from that one particular sentence alone. But uh, what what happened here before I start asking? Yeah, so ultimately what's going on here, so there were, there's a federal Children's Privacy Act that uh, – basically allows for state attorney generals and the FTC to go. And if they notice that there may be data violations in particular with minors, they can go after these companies. Well, some states also had it where parents could also sue. They had some privacy laws for, of their own in these individual states. And the question was whether the federal law basically restricted where those state laws couldn't apply. And that's what this uh, appeals court said no, the state law and the federal law can essentially coexist, and there's essentially no conflict there. So because they can coexist, 
parents that are in states that have these types of laws in place for the data privacy of minors can sue companies, for example, like Google, YouTube, which is owned by Google, Facebook, any of those types of companies. Interesting. So where do we go from here? Uh, honestly, it's going to be interesting to see um, what and how these lawsuits get filed and how the companies that are being sued handle it. Um, I do want to make a note. One of the reports did say that um, in this case, it was particularly Google and YouTube that were at issue. And they, they've come out and they actually have shown how they have stopped taking this data from minors and how they're preventing this tracking from occurring in the situations where they know that minors involved. So they've taken steps and now are showing moving forward, they're trying to be proactive about that. So that's one. These are going to be cases that potentially could have retroactive implications because it's going to have to go before that, come before that date when they actually did implement those new policies. But wow. it'll be interesting to see if other companies It'll be interesting to see if other companies have to make similar changes or have already made similar changes. Hey, thanks a lot for for uh, telling us about these stories. Andrew Reed is an attorney joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710 KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.